It, it's the World Wide Sports Radio Network. The, the Sports Hit List presents Smoking Mirrors with Declan Krogman and the Polius Brothers, Greg and Stefan, breaking down the biggest news, giving you the stories behind the story. Here for all the smoke, all the time, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Sports Radio Network, presented by the Sports Network. I'm your host, Stefan Frogman, uh, as the music fades out here, alongside Greg and Stefan Polius. Uh, Greg, uh, Steph, excuse me, uh, I guess we got the Pirates memo today on accident. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, I mean, well, this, this, well, this isn't a Pirate hat. This is a I can't, hat. I can't even tell. What is that? Oh, gotcha. I didn't know if yeah. you had a Pirates hat. Not that I no, wouldn't no, recognize no. Pirates hat. I mean, the piece, though. Tell. Yeah, I, I, point, though. yeah maybe, maybe it's because I messed up my camera. I can't see the same. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, but I, I wore an Andrew McCutcheon jersey because, you know, Greg. Uh, anyway. <laughs> that 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 has long since died. I no longer have the been. Andrew. Uh, I don't play the outfield anymore. I don't uh, I don't have the comp anymore. Um, the it's, uh, it's weight still cool. as well. It was fire, though. <laughs> you know what? I, 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 I would tell you some obscene things, but we're on air, so I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> uh, I can get away with it. <laughs> I, actually, I'm wearing my uh, Auburn uh, Cam Newton jersey. It was it was Spirit Week this week at work. So uh, it was Jersey Day today. I decided to break out the old school Cam Newton jersey. That's fire. Back when you wore number two. Yep. Yeah. I right. wore this because I like it. <laughs> Marty approved. Damn straight, he did. He just got yeah. watered earlier too. I mean, how was everybody? How was everybody's weekend? I mean, it was good. I got to see you guys. Jeez, uh, not on Zoom. We all played in a. Uh... Oh, can we get that regular other camera back? I don't know. Do we mess? Uh, I think our weekend yeah, was pretty did, good. Yeah. We all yeah. got to hang out together. We played in a little, little scrimmage. Uh, Garrison hit the uh, hit the game winner. Um, Greg Coach, because yeah. uh, his name. But yeah, I think how's how was everyone else's weekend? Greg, I mean, outside of what seems like never ending schoolwork, it was nice to get back out on the field and uh, after over a year, so that was cool. But I mean, we'll, we the baseball talk is coming. But uh, the most important news weekend. that uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to talk about my weekend. Like, my bad, bro. It's my cool. bad. He's trying to move ahead. All right, cool. So I'll, I'll be quick so you can do your thing. Uh, my weekend was good. I was on the field with you guys. It was great. It has been a year. It was nice to get back to it. Uh, playing baseball during the pandemic and taking those precautions is a different beast for me. But um, it was nice to get reacclimated. Uh, other than that. Uh, my weekend was really nice and relaxing. Yeah, but that's I mean, me. 
That was a nice transition, Greg, by the I'm, way, before that. Yes, like, I'm, the, I'm glad you were able to get that in. later. But go yes. right ahead. It was. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. No problem. Glad you could get that off, bro. <laughs> but uh, in, in probably the biggest football news in the last like week or so, uh, Drew Brees retired. Yeah, that was yesterday. But, while we were on yeah. the field. We didn't even have an yeah. idea. Yeah, I for me personally, I it, I wasn't shocked by it. You know, he, he looked like he was done on the field in that playoff game. You know, especially in the latter half of the season. What do you guys think about the retirement itself? Did you see it um, coming or no? Yeah, I mean, I did because at a certain point, you know, when he's on the field with his kids hit list on Wednesday, we had mixed mixed up feelings whether he's going to retire i thought he did i thought he would he did um and the significance of the retirement i think is he wanted to retire on march 15th exactly 15 years to the day uh from when he signed with the new orleans saints so that probably was just his kudos to drew Brees. he had a great career yeah i agree with that i I mean it didn't have the pageantry of like maybe a la Dwayne wade going out you know like some of these uh, major uh figures uh in our in our like lifetime that you see is like you know, athletes we've seen come up. It it's nice to have that. I'm sure the send off, but I we could see it coming with his gameplay. Um, it was just a matter of time, and you know the significance of him retiring on. You know, it's good for Drew Brees. He gets to do it on his terms. As long as it's on your terms, I feel like that's the best way to do it to go out. Definitely. I, I um, and you know, with the retirement, there was some controversy that came up because. You know, Taysom Hill got a contract extension. However, there's not only just in the sports hit list, but fans in general, there's a lot of mixed emotions when it comes to Taysom Taysom Hill and his contract because people feel like he doesn't deserve what he's being paid. He's he's nothing more than a gadget player. He's he's not a real quarterback. He's better off at a tight end. You know, there's a lot of criticisms levied against him. What do you guys think about the – well, and before we even, you know – I actually got your thoughts. For those of you that don't know, the trade uh, it was essentially a four-year, hundred forty million dollar contract. Initially off, off, off the bat, that sticker shock for tell, a backup tell, QB. Tell them why it doesn't matter. Not that it doesn't matter, but tell them why it's not what it seems. Okay, so yeah, it's sticker shock because you're like, why is this backup QB getting one hundred forty million dollars? But <laughs> the essence is. It's essentially a one-year deal because the rest of the contract is voidable year by year. And uh, it, they not only are the Saints in cap hell, like they, they had like a negative cap number, I believe, at one yeah. point. But this deal only guarantees Taysom Hill about maybe 13 or $14 million this year, and then he can be cut next year. And so they're not on the hook for the rest of that money. I, sometimes I feel like NFL contracts are, are like paper mache, you know? Unless you're talking about guaranteed money, the rest of it doesn't matter. It could dissolve away. <laughs> yeah. And quick shout out to Anthony Diaz. He just broke the news. Um, Johnu Smith, tight end, who played for the uh, Tennessee Titans, yes. is now signing with the New England Patriots. Ew. Oh, oh come that's on. That's so weird. That's, <laughs> uh, no, it's not weird. That's upsetting. Really? Because the Jets haven't had a good tight end in, in about 10 years. Yeah, and it would have been nice to a lot of a lot of free agents that the Jets had their eyes on are completely yeah. off the market now. Wow, eh. I wouldn't a, say a lot. I mean, eh. Aaron Jones. A lot? Aaron, Aaron Jones. I would say a good a good chunk. No, no, no. So you have you, you have you have to be clear. The free agents 
Jets fans have their eyes on isn't always the free agents the Jets have their eyes point. on. And that goes for fans and, yes. and front offices in general. But yes, mm-hmm. 100%, you're right. But some nice targets there um, ha- have since left the market, both defensively and offensively. Yes. You know, um, and you, shout out to Travis, who um, Tra- Travi Bad takes, yeah, huh. who for some reason can't get it through his head. That he keeps saying the pageantry, like this is this is um uh Champagne's ego in having to give Taysom Hill this deal. And if we if we take a step back and look at this deal holistically, this deal is really not that big of a uh, of a, of a deal. deal. I, I knew yeah, you didn't want to I was trying to avoid say it too. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, but it, it came out that mm-hmm. way. And I don't think it has as much to do without the player, but the point is, teams have to find strategic ways to save money. I mean, look at what the 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 Bucks did with Brady. They gave him a four year extension. Do I think Brady's playing till he's 45, 46 years old? No, I don't think he is. But what that deal was essentially was, it's a year to year deal because all the the years after are avoidable. It's cap wizardry. I mean, That's I exactly think, yeah. what it is. Brady's forty three. I think he'll play till forty five, forty six. He's always wanted to play till forty five. Giselle doesn't want him to play till forty five. If you think that's, yeah, but I that's to me, exactly. the contract, the length of the contract is just for you to move money around. Right. Because it's really like you said, it's year yes. to year. So for them, the cap space is important this year. So all the money that is guaranteed or not been guaranteed, but all the money that's in this deal is pushed to other years that are avoidable. So <clears throat> ultimately, you are just allowing yourself more the, the ability to like flex, you know, the, the, the spending power you have this current year, though, the upcoming year, which is amazing. You know, you, you, you end up with uh, uh, allowing yourself to be able to take that or get to sign players, whether it's free agents or, you know, reign up with guys and uh, signing guys to contracts that are uh, pivotal to your team. So I think it's great. They did a great, an amazing job uh, down in um, Tampa Bay. But even uh, speaking about, um, you know, the Drew Brees and, and, and Taysom Hill rather, uh, that that is major because yes, he's, He's going to be the starting to me. He's going to be the starting quarterback. Like, I don't as, agree with that. You don't so. you don't, no, I think it's going to yeah. be Jameis. Yeah, I, I, I'm honestly, I think Jameis to me is the the answer. But the, I look at Sean Payne and how he views the skill set of Taysom Hill, and I have a hard time seeing it being automatic. Jameis Winston's going to be behind center. Um, I say definitely won't be automatic, no matter who they go to. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a a huge thought process behind this. Um, going back to Brady quickly, and then, and then we'll head up on uh, Taysom Hill once again. Um, the thing that I've learned, and I think a lot of people have learned, when it comes to Tom Brady contracts, it's it's never what it seems. You know, look, you got to look at the big picture. You know, go, you know, within the riffraff, kind of really the restructuring the deal to allow for more to come in. And in this case, it was just for a lot to, to allow the Super Bowl band to get back together, which is um, smart. I mean, yeah. it's absolutely smart. But, absolutely smart. Well, it's a lot easier to do when you have, you know, you're the only quarterback whose wife makes more money. Yeah, than you. yeah. That, that's a, money's that's, not that's an issue. Easier, yeah, know. money's not an issue. Money's never really been an issue in his career because his wife's worth half a billion dollars. So yeah. it's very easy to defer he's known as, money. He's known as Giselle's husband in Brazil, <laughs> which funny. is a true story. Uh, as far uh, as Manny just. Uh, as far as like free agency, I'm sorry, man. And he's gonna talk with yeah. the Raiders and Chiefs. 
So Kyle Long coming out of retirement, I, I saw that, but I didn't mention it because I thought this was, you know, kind of news from last week that Kyle that Kyle Long was coming out of retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, but the news I think here, and shout out to Manny, of course, um, is that he's meeting with the Raiders and the Chiefs. Because I automatically, I know a lot of people automatically assume that, okay, he's coming out of retirement. Looks like he'll go back to the Bears or mm-hmm. he'll go back to the team he started with. Whereas now he's kind of, you know, switching, you know, switching it up here and he's going to look for uh, to go to some AFC West teams. So I think that's interesting. I mean, I, I do think it's interesting, especially with the Chiefs releasing both their tackles, you know, I think it's a, a good place for him to to end up. But I, does he still have it is the question, you know? Yeah. And how long the Raider connection yeah. is, you know, I mean, according to, uh, yeah, Manny in the chat, his pops played for the Raiders. So so that's definitely something to think about, um, whereas you could go to the Chiefs and now they have an opening and tackle. Yeah. Um, as far as, I mean, I, we, you know, talking free agency, you know, transition there. I'm going to ask a Jets Giants question, but before we get to that, you know, Aaron Jones re-up with the Packers. Did you guys see this coming? No. I didn't. No, I didn't. If, if, if I did, I didn't think it was going to be for this price. Um, And he got re- he got it for relatively cheap. And you know what? I think this, ha- this has a major, um, you know, connotation here is that, Aaron Jones thought he'd get more money, and his camp thought he would get better offers in free agency. That wasn't the case, and he went back to Lambo. Hold on one second. I need to address Travis in the comments. Oh, boy. Because oh. clearly redemption is not a thing. And he says, and again, what Greg Polis has not seen, when creating cap space, you move base salary to sign the bonuses or roster bonuses, which does not count against the cap. The reason it's Payne's ego at work is because he's determined to prove this guy's Next, Steve Young. The Saints had other ways to restructure this deal. You would have read, Travis, that <laughs> he has a base and another roster bonus, and that's the only money he's made. To your point, this is literally roster bonuses and signing bonuses. Anyhow, yeah. back to Aaron Jones. I had to get that uh, and I think, and again, reading <clears throat> the comments because you know we're very interactive with that on our show. Um, Manny's saying that he thought Jones would, were going to the Jets. Uh, was going, to, excuse me, was going to the Jets or the Steelers. I think the Steelers would have been a great fit for him. I uh, absolutely think the Steelers would have been a definitely. better fit for him. Yeah, uh, absolutely. The Jets would have been. been I mean, I, I didn't see him going to the Jets, but I saw the noise to the Jets. If that makes yeah. sense. I don't yeah, think about better fans. As far as him going to the Patriots, I think Cam Newton is going to utilize him uh, very well. He has he has the opportunity to be a major part of that offense. I don't think that. John, talking about yeah, John, yeah, right? John Smith. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was John who you were talking about, right? I'm sorry. No, we were talking about Jones. Talking about Jones. Oh, oh, I, was, I thought we went back to John. Nah, we could get there, but um, yeah, yeah, the only reason I I think all of us and, and a lot of fans didn't see Jones going back to the Packers is because of AJ Dillon. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, Jamal Williams is a free agent. Anthony Diaz brings up a great point. Is that somebody you see the Jets going after? I mean, I wouldn't be mad at it. I still want them to go after a running back in a draft, though. Yeah. Like, like I think still Williams after, I think two so. is totally fine. Yeah. That's a nice recipe if, if he's your two. I mean, on the mm-hmm. package, he's kind of that three. Yeah. Well, he's still a ton. Yeah. You know, because they rotated their backs crazy. With Dylan, they would bring in, um, they'd have, they'd, they'd have drives where they'd have three different third down backs. Um, despite the fact that, um, you know, Aaron Jones was one of the best backs in the league. That was just their scheme. Yeah, the zone block. 
working and all that. But uh, Steph, you bring up a good about uh, Janu and Cam utilizing tight ends to diminish. If they could put a better receiving core around Cam, you know, fell off a cliff in that wide receiver room. If they can somehow figure out, you know, how to get Enkil Harry to be a first round pick, um, and maybe draft a little better at the position or or see what free agents are out there. I'm not sure their cap situation at the moment, but they they can be better than last I year. Think, I just don't yeah. see. Go ahead, finish your sentence. My bad. No, I just don't see unless they make significant moves. I don't see the offense improving I, that I, much. Agree. And I think, listen, I know, so it, it is tough because I'll be the first one to say like the Pats, you know, what they put around Cam, Cam has been minimal. At the same time, I, I think it, time has come with, with Cam Newton. I think this was a move where they had nobody else to sign. Yeah. Um, and I think it was the right move. Don't get me wrong. I don't think they should have let him walk if they were going to, you know, have Brian Hoyer start. That would have been ridiculous. Um, but at this point in his career, I, I just, I think it's it's the time the days as a starter for Cam Newton have, have kind of faded. I think I think he still has a little bit left in the tank. It's not a lot. He has enough to be a a serviceable starter. Yeah, but he's not he's not going to be MVP Cam. You know, right? I know. I don't. I don't. Sure. I don't mean this. I don't mean this to like to take a shot at Cam Newton because I'm not trying oh, to do that. Here, here it is. He's taking no, a no, shot. No, no, it's coming. No, I'm not. I'm not. I feel it. I'm, I'm just asking it. a question. I feel it in my bones. Do you think that he is a top 25 quarterback right now? In the NFL? Yes. Yeah. No, in, in the CFL. I didn't know if you were talking about top 25 all time yeah. or top 25. Yeah, we you, you, you weren't very clear. Is he a top 25 quarterback right now all time? He's not even a Hall of Fame. Not a knock on Cam. Eh, he's borderline. No, not even close. Stop. He's borderline. The numbers are not. Not even there. Not even close. You, That's like a sidetrack, though. That's yeah. The numbers. <laughs> no, no. Well, because what you do a lot of times, and you don't realize you do it, you only focus on the passing stats, even though the position has evolved. And the position, and he, he's done. Wow. He's done. He done things time, that too. no, you can't. Discount that just because you feel he's not. not you know what Cam Newton did? He had, he had three good seasons in his entire career. Three very good. Three honestly not very good. He had one very very good. I'll call it a great season. The MVP season was a great season, but then he had two like decent above average seasons. Aside from one season, like he was a top five quarterback one year. Otherwise, he was from you would see him rank from like you know I mean top fifteen. Maybe he had a couple uh, top ten year after that, but this is not a guy who was consistently good. I'm sorry, like his ru- his rushing stats were consistently I mean, good. You you are looking at it from a very micro perspective instead of macro mm-hmm. perspective because you're like he wasn't that good of a passer. But the point I didn't is, say he. That. I said he didn't put up great numbers. Yes, yeah, uh, it looks like uh, we got to head to break. Yeah. But coming back into break, we uh, we're gonna finish this. All right, that sounds good. We'll finish this, uh, and then we'll get on to just to give you know the listeners some some somewhat of a layout. Uh, we're going to get into some more NFL free agency, all spring training recap to Ralphie uh, on the uh, A's yesterday. We had an MLB. Stick right back. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. 
This is Smoke and on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Smoke and Mirror here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Declan Krogman, alongside Greg and Stefan Polius. As always, presented by the Sports Hit List. It is 1.26 here on Monday, March 15th. Uh, and we're going to wrap up a little NFL free agency here uh, before getting into some baseball. So, Greg, I'd love to hear some of the, some of the questions you want to get into. You're muted again. Oh my God. What is going on with us? Make, make sure I, when we come from break, uh, when we're in break, I'm not talking. So nobody hears me over the commercials. So, yeah, maybe that's why I like break so much. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> what was I going to say? I hate break. Yeah. Cam, the Cam talk, that sounds like it could be a segment all on its own. So we're going to table that debate I'm with it. for, I'm with it. for a, a segment in the future. Uh, is Cam Newton a Hall of Famer? Oh, that's um, a debate? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what we were just that's, talking about. That, <laughs> that's what the conversation was. All right, well, that's fine. All right, let's go with that. Then. <laughs> uh, but in terms of NFL free agency, we are both, I mean, my brother and I, we're Jets fans, you're a Giant fan. What are some key free agents that you would look for your respective team to sign during this period? Steph, you want to go ahead? No, no, no you can go first, man. I, I'm, hey, I, you can definitely go first. I'll yield to you as a Giants fan. Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so I think it's I think it's really tough. And I and I was you know saying for you to go first because I feel like the Jets free agency. Not that it's more pivotal, but in a way, it, it kind of seems like it could be more of a step a stepping stone, uh, setting the table for what this franchise is going to be. Assuming they draft a new quarterback. Um, right now for the Giants, uh, I, we really need to get I, if, Dal- if Dalvin Tomlinson is is really heading out, that's unfortunate. We got to re up him. Got to get him back. I believe he's a free agent now. Got to bring him back somehow, some way. All right, some way, somehow, whatever. Uh, I, I just saw something where uh, Leo Leo uh, Williams is giving you guys a hard time. Uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, I don't buy it necessarily. I think that that's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but I think I think any any player. I was almost gonna say quarterback because you see you see that with Dak a couple times. Um, any player that gets franchise tagged. Um, is never really going to be happy about it. You want to get re-upped for long-term. So I believe that he wouldn't be too happy about it, but giving them a hard time, I mean, they have time to, you know, renegotiate a deal. Otherwise they'll go with the, uh, they'll go with, um, they'll have a, another year with him and then, and then try to figure stuff out next winter. I'm not too worried about it. Um, but I, I think, I I mean, of course, I think Leonard Williams is pissed, but I don't, I don't think it's as big of a deal as everyone is making it out to be. It's just the natural, okay, he got franchise tagged. He's mad kind of deal. Uh, before we get to the Jets, Steph, uh, Sean, Sean Kiernan, is, uh, as as most Giant fans, I'm sure, are pissed yeah. off about uh, Zeitler. Can I get into Zeitler? Zeitler. Um, yeah. Signing with the with the Ravens, which I think is going to do wonders for J.K. Dobbins and, and um, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Here's here's my thing. First of all, going back, going back to Zeitler. Um, 
the, I'm not mad that the Ravens signed him. Like, I don't care. But I'm saying, I mean, I'm mad that he's gone, obviously. But I'm more mad that the Giants freaking released him. He's the best offensive lineman they had, right? And I know he, he had a decent-sized contract, but you could have just chopped chop Solder down or make up some more room. There's no reason for a team that has turned the corner and is now going to try to contend for the division next year is going to release their best offensive lineman when we saw a series against the Ravens, and this is just a nice little sample size, where Daniel Jones got sacked three times in a row and had, on average, 1.7 seconds to pass uh, on that entire drop. Oh, hold, so, hold on. You said something that kind of just like made me spin a bit. You said contend for the division. Now, yeah, if absolutely. Dallas, if Dak, if Dak Prescott is healthy, do you think the Giants have a legitimate shot at winning the division? Yes, and, and here's why. We saw Dallas last year. Uh, when Dak and this is not a not a knock on Dak, this is more of a knock on Dallas's defense, um, mm. which I've not really seen improve at all. Um, they were what one in three going into that Week Five game against the Giants, uh, where Dak got hurt. I believe that's correct. They weren't. Yes, they weren't two and two. They were one and three. I'm like ninety. Yeah, I'm. I'm I would say I'm 100 percent sure they were one and three. This is a team that was not winning with him, and I think that's why Raynal wanted Andy Dalton to start. Um, so imagine, imagine, imagine that now, like going back and looking on a statement like that. A ridiculous. Yeah. Take. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he still didn't want to pay Dak, but shout out to Ray. We love Ray. He has but, some but great comments. He, on that here's my thing. Right. Even with that, even with Dallas's defense, right. Being a question, yeah. their sure. offense is light years ahead of the giants who struggle to score even 20 points a right. game. So how can you so confidently say mm. they're going to con- granted That's the division is bad, but how well, can you so confidently say they're going to contend for the division? And they have shown nothing of the sort. First of especially all, especially with DJ on the center. First of all, well, eh, that's not really why they, they would have an issue, but that is part of it. Um, listen, I didn't say they were going to win the division. I just said they would contend for the division. They contended for the division this year because it was so bad and they went six and 10. They'll be better than six and that's- 10. I see them as a seven and nine, eight and eight football team. It depends on what you guys do in a draft. That that eleventh pick is going to be very crucial. That's another thing. If they if they come around and get your boy Kyle Pitts, or if they find a way to get Smith, while I don't think Devonta Smith is going to be available, I don't really believe that he's going to slide that far. Um, I don't care about his size um, being like an issue, Uh, or if they get you know a Waddle or or whoever, they get an offensive uh, offensive you know weapon, a target. Um, I think that can that can definitely be a big. A big deal for them. And even Washington, like if Washington goes with Taylor Heineke, um, I think he played great, but we also saw one game. So that might not be where, unless they, tra- you know, I could see them training for Sam Darnold or, or really make it. They're, they're apparently one of the teams that, that are in- inquired. Um, but you still should. not off the hook. You're still not off the hook here. Go ahead. And this is, this is not the Lamar Dak debate, but you yourself did say yeah. that Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. Absolutely. So, if and Lamar Jackson also, and and a tougher division has led his team to the playoffs. So what you're telling me is that the team with the better quarterback, in your estimation, is not going to contend for the division because of their defense, but the Giants can contend. That's what you're saying. Well, yeah, Just correct let, me if I'm wrong. Sure. Let me let me explain. Um, first of all, the reason the Ravens went to the playoffs this year was because of their defense. It was number two overall in the league. First off, second off, they didn't win the division this year, so I don't care how tough the division was. What did they go? Ten and six? Is that right? What do you mean? I'm just saying they they were ten and six. The fact they were ten and six and still made the playoffs in a a a division that had three ten win teams like that's a big deal. 
three 10 win teams. So same as for the same as for the Browns, the Steelers, they went there. I know it's a tough division, but more so they're not contending with the division. If they're not, if they're not winning the division, they're contending with the conference. They were a wild card team. But if your team can't even contend within the division, how the hell can they contend for the conference? You're not making sense right now. No, they weren't winning the division. They were contending for a wild oh, card. Thank you. Speedy, Speedy let us said, know. Yeah. yeah they Ravens were 11, were 11 and five. five. Okay. 11 Thanks, and five. Thanks, Speedy. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Sure. That's fine. Oh, wow. What, wow, 26 touchdowns from Lamar Jackson this year. He was he was sure great. So this uh, this is where you expose yourself, right? I'm not personally yes, exposing yes, myself. Yes, you, yes, you are. Steph, Steph, you want to jump in here? Well, well you want actually, to bring Chris Williams in on to tell you guys as well? <laughs> or, or do we want to even it up? No, we don't. What, no, ahead. no. What, what I was going to say is uh, while I, I do find this uh, debate uh, riveting, it's something we can cover. I, I want us to just like to finish up NFL free agency because I was really looking forward to getting into baseball. Copy, and copy. So, so I, I know we want to talk about that. We want to talk about Lamar. It, it's it's a, it's something that needs to be discussed on here because Declan. We can talk about, we we, can talk about we, the regression another time. It's, it, it, need, it needs see, it needs see, its see, own time. Things things like that right there. We're gonna discuss all of that yeah. because you're you out of why? pocket. You're out of pocket. You know why? Because you got a little temper to you. No, no, no. Because you, you are ago. biased and you can't no, admit your bias. You not are. Not absolutely. 100%. 100%. Hey, hey. hey save that. We'll, we'll, we'll actually cut that. We'll clip it. And then for Friday's show or even next week's show, we can use that soundbite. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I hope I'm a little biased to my team if I'm 18. Like, let's just be real for a second. I could drink. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear okay. that. Get out of here. You, right. you could be objective at 18. Yeah, I don't want to hear that. That's nonsense. Get out of here with that. First of all, Daniel Jones, I, I put him in the same category as being a top 25 quarterback as Cam Newton. Anywho, we have we have footage of you having Daniel Jones way higher than that, so I don't want to hear it. <laughs> we, we're not doing this. We're not having revisionist history. We're not doing that. No revisionist history. So we also have Steph, footage quickly. No, we also have footage of week 17 when I said he would throw for 242 touchdowns and a pick. No one cares about that. Daniel Jones. I'm you're yeah, the only person who cares about go. Daniel Jones. I don't. I care about my team. They're gonna contend for the division this year. It's a weak ass division. There's no way around it. Dallas <laughs> was terrible with Dak last year anyway. They went one and three. So Go ahead. Eight to, year to, to finish up what we were talking about, about yeah. the Giants and the Jets, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I believe that the Jets, as all Jets fans know, uh, skill positions have always has been a weakness for the longest period of time where we have, Sam Darnold hasn't had weapons. So going out there and getting those weapons and free agency since they have the, the cap space for it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Chris Carson. I He's a hard runner. He's someone that I would like love to see. Yes, he's yeah, he's not the most talented on that. Obviously, Aaron Jones is gone now, but Chris Carson is someone that is yeah. an amazing talent. Uh, even if it was Leonard Fournette that they went after, you know, looking well, uh, running really well in the playoffs, the Jets just haven't had a consistent run game. And then on the on the corners, I'm sorry, on the outside there for the wide receivers, I like John Brown a lot. That that's someone to me that's like easy it's something you can easily acquire you don't have to spend too much to get him he could he could take the top of defense yeah exactly do do you but with john brown do you feel like that takes snaps away from denzel mims i i don't truly i mean i i truly believe that um that denzel mims and john brown could uh end up getting like having time on the field together uh I, I like John Brown. I'm just saying, like, that's more of an achievable goal if they weren't to, like, maybe save a little bit at wide receiver, still get some talent. But, you know, getting a Juju, because I Juju to me is a still a, a top top end wide receiver, you know, top of this. So him and Corey Davis to me are like, I would take, take Corey Davis. I would Juju. love Corey Davis. I would take Corey Davis over that, Juju. That would be, that would yeah. Be nice. But either one, if I, if we got either one, I would 
much much rather them over John Brown. But if you're looking to, you know, maybe save and still get some talent, John Brown is there for me. And and I I like the I like this the skill set he has. He did really well uh playing number two um out there to Stefan Diggs. The Jets have the options. They have the money they can spend. They need to put talent around Sam Darnold if they're going to stay with Sam. Even if they don't, yeah. and they, they still do go do it regardless, I think exactly. Oh, yeah. They still need to. They still need the talent. They haven't really spent that the 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 capital. I think they need to in order to improve their team and give their quarterback a chance to win the game. I think a lot of people are saying that the Giants should get Kenny Galladay, and, I, and I'm with you. And on that, I think that the better option, even for the New York Giants, uh, would be a guy like Corey Davis. And is it okay if I answer a question in the comments? Is that all right? Yeah, go for uh, it. Okay. Go for it before. Just don't be too long-winded with it. I will be. I will literally say this so quickly. First of all, Eric Eric Siegel, our boy, he wasn't here uh, last week, and I was very scared. I almost put out an Amber Alert. <laughs> He's so in into the comments. He's such a loyal fan. Um, but here's what I'll say. He asked me, "Does Daniel Jones have to take a monumental step up in year three? Um, to live up to the expectations, or at least my expectations and the Giants' expectations um, as a whole. Absolutely. He had a fine year one, fumbling problem, but as a passer, he was fine. Year two, he was horrible. I don't care if he didn't have enough, if there was injuries with the weapons, if the offensive line was bad, if Jason Incompetent Garrett was his offensive coordinator. Um, It's the same like we said with Cam Newton. While Cam Newton was not great for the um, majority of the 2020 season with that supporting cast with the Pats having no uh, whatever line was not necessarily the hugest problem on the team there was a receiver room um and whatever it's the same thing with Daniel Jones if he if he has another year like even close to last year you know it, it's over you're looking for another you're looking for a quarterback in his, in his fourth year we got two minutes um let's finish up NFL free agency before we get into baseball on, on segment three in the last segment excuse me as far as like me as as a Jet fan, um, my my point, two Manny, but go ahead. <laughs> my my two top choices at receiver would probably be uh, Galladay and Corey Davis, but I wouldn't I would be okay if we didn't get Galladay. And you have uh, Juju as a number two, like Garrison said in the comments. He said you know Juju's a number two at best, but I think the number one target in free agency needs to be uh, Joe Joe Thune. That yes, that needs to be our number one target. You know, on that one, like a solid interior lineman that you could mm-hmm. put on either side, and he can really help our run game. And in the draft, you could then focus even more on the skill position players if you address the offensive line through free agency. No way, Justin Reed is in here. <laughs> you did that. You did I did yourself. That you did that. Whatever. It was all about pronunciation. <laughs> they couldn't pronounce my name. All right, that's fine. Uh, shout out to Eric. You liked my answer to uh, whatever uh, to you know the, his question. Uh, before we get to break, also I'm gonna I'm gonna have to agree with Manny. Shout out to your barber, Greg. That cut is fire. I don't. That's even not a cut. Know. That's that's my wife. My wife that's twisted out here. Wife. I like shout it. Out shout out to my like wife. It. it works. So shout out to your this wife, is... obviously. Um, uh, also, my wife been my COVID barber. So shout out to her. I was as about well. to say COVID had you looking lit because of. <laughs> yeah, man. Not nah, it, it's a move. Anyway, let's get to commercial break. Uh, we'll be right back with some baseball talk. So. All y'all stick around uh, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is Smoke and Mirrors. I'm Declan Krogman, Greg Polius, and Stefan Polius. We'll see you in just a bit. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. <laughs> this is Smoke and Mirrors on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 
Welcome everyone here to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. If you're watching Smoke and Mirrors or listening to Smoke and Mirrors, you could be listening on and we're watching on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Periscope, and the TuneIn Radio app, and of course the Worldwide Sports Radio app, as the great CJ D. Simone says, pretty much anywhere you can find us. Uh, we're gonna get into some baseball here, and I'd let uh, my boy Greg lead off, even though Steph led off yesterday uh, on the field. I mean, that's that's Steph's job, though. Steph is is the leadoff here. So that's what he does. He's a table star. Um, OBP lit. <laughs> damn straight. <laughs> but this is easily my favorite time of year and you know not only playing but just watching the game of baseball and one of the things that i think i miss the most is just hearing the sound of the crack of a wood bat in spring training like that sound it, it just makes me feel like okay we're back you know what sounds i kind of like better i like was in a two seam right by uh right by a guy started on the outside corner and letting it go right to the knees <laughs> That's yeah, my. Favorite. I'm gonna go with the wood bat here, but uh, <laughs> I like the wood bat. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, spring training is well underway. Opening days a couple weeks away. You know, are there any teams that you think are gonna be a surprise in the league this year? Steph, you want to so, take this? Yeah, I I haven't been able to watch. Um, all the teams for spring training. I've, I've mostly focused on the Mets and seeing how they're, how my guys are doing. Um, and really in the all early goings, it's, it's what you expect. From spring. Like you're going to see some guys struggle, like Francisco Lindor, who's a major acquisition of ours has not hit well in spring training, but you know, it's just that like, you're not expecting that to carry on into the season. Uh, yeah. It's really getting back, you know, getting the feet wet, getting acclimated, getting back into routines. Um, I do believe that, um, just being like by looking at the Mets, looking at like some of the the players, especially Degrom, how he pitched, how he's just been on from jump. Um, the Mets are already expected to 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 be an, an amazing team. I do believe that they're going to struggle as they always do. Might start out the gate hot and struggle, uh, you know, from thereafter. But I, I I think they bounce back a lot quicker. They have really good depth. I just see uh uh the energy there and the, you know the chemistry they have being that boon that they need to get through those tough times. Uh, and, and obviously the talent, you know, the bullpen, uh, it looks like there's that potential to bounce back. Uh, Needing Batantis and Familiar to be better pitchers than they have been. Um, and in the early going, seeing some, like some of that there, but it, it's, I, I look at the Mets as being a strong contender with the current roster they have. Mm, okay. What about you, Dick? Uh, I think that I totally agree with him. I think that the Mets are obviously going to be content. I don't want to say obviously because it's baseball. Um, but I think in terms of the expectations, I think that the Mets can totally be a contender. I see them as the wild card team. I think I think you're going to host a wild card game at City Field this year. I just think the Braves coming off the uh, year they had went to the NLCS. Uh, and even before this shortened season, they were in the playoffs uh, in 2019. I just don't see them not winning that division. But again, anything's possible. You know, in 2015, they had the Nats projected to win the division far and easy, and they won 83 games, and the Mets won uh, with that pivotal series in in August, I believe. It was the first couple uh, days of August. Um, but my – so I think that you're going to see a lot of interesting – it's going to be the Pittsburgh Pirates are going to win the World Series this year. Uh, just kidding. They're probably the worst team in baseball. <laughs> but I'm not sure who my sleeper team is. I like the Marlins this year on a rebound. I mean, not necessarily a rebound, but a rebound in a full year, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I think the Angels can make some surprising noise as well. 
I, I'm going to agree with Manny in the comments. I think it's the White Sox. I think the White Sox have a world of talent that uh, that the base that that regular fans haven't been exposed to yet. And you're going to start hearing some names. You know, you we've heard the Yon Mercado, Mancados and all that, but they have a couple arms. I can't remember the names off the top of my head at the current Lucas moment. Lucas Giolito. Um, yeah. Who's that, who's that guy? Who's the guy who who they drafted like this year? He comes out of the pen. He throws 102. He's a left. Yeah, yeah. But I can't remember the names because there's so many. But yeah, yeah. Lewis Robert. There we go. He's another stud oh, yeah, outfielder. Yeah, yeah he's Lewis a Robert. He's a yeah. he's a stud. Like Eloy, they have, Eloy Jimenez. They Jimenez. they've done a really good job in terms of um, player development, and they're actually going to be a very exciting team to watch. Um, but just kind of not shifting gears from spring training, but still talking baseball, right? In in little league in high school. In college, even, you see a lot of dual position players. It's commonplace. I was even a dual position player in college. Like it, It's almost expected at times, but you don't see it in professional baseball. But over the last like five to seven years, we've seen a kind of shift, and the biggest name of that being Shohei Otani. Uh, Declan yeah. mentioned earlier in the segment, you know, we had a teammate that we, we were having a debate while we were tossing yesterday um, about Shohei Otani, and I think – Otani has the ability to be elite on both sides of the ball. But, however, uh, our friend Ralphie doesn't think so because he thinks the workload of each position is too demanding because what a lot of regular fans don't realize is, you know, when you're practicing or before games prior to, if you're in a pitching group, you're throwing your long toss with that pitching group. You're running with that pitching group. If you're in a hitting group, you know you're shagging flies with that particular hitting group. You are uh, you're in the in the beep in a batting practice group. So he thinks that workload is too much on Otani to be a an elite player. He he feels he has to choose one. How do you where do you guys fall on this side of the debate? Yeah, I think you take this one. Sure, um, I'll agree with you, Greg. I think we're completely on the same page. Also, speaking of your teammates. Uh, and guys we hung out with yesterday. Uh, shout out to Justin Ruiz. Garrett Crochet is the uh, lefty reliever I was thinking of. And also shout out to Garrison because um, Michael Kopech is also a, a key arm if they can get uh, mini Noah Syndergaard over there to, uh, Health, to get everything baby. straightened out. Yeah. Um, so I do think I do think that position players that uh, are dual position players, two-way guys, are, are great for the game of baseball. I think we see guys like Shohei Otani is doing it best. Now, I think there's a significant drop. I think Brendan McKay... He's a pitcher and a first baseman for the Tampa Bay Rays. I think they're going to limit him to play to either pitching or playing first base. And I think Michael Lorenzen kind of came on as a two-way late in his career uh, where he can play the outfield. He's diving for catches. He's tracking balls great. Um, Very small sample size, though. Absolutely. Like, well, this is where I'm going he's with doing that. on the offensive side. Yes, absolutely. He hits bombs, but that seems to be it. And he's hit some crazy bombs. He had like three home runs in the same weekend and just as a pinch hitter. Um, I believe that was 2019 or 2018. Uh, he could start, he can relieve, but I think at some point they're just going to make him a PO, um, which is crazy to talk to use the word PO at the major league level, by the way. That's a nice way to see how the game has kind of changed a little bit. Uh, they're going to make him a PO and use him in some pinch hitting situations or emergency outfielding situations. Go ahead, Steph. Well, I was going to say that uh, for the most part, I do agree with Ralphie, right? Because Shohei is to me a outlier. It's hard to imagine that you have a 
a player that can be elite at both sides of the ball. It's it's just it's very demanding, you know. And you know there are unicorns. There are people that come in and perform much better than expectation, much better than you know the above, well above average. Uh, we haven't even seen a, a second player truly do that because Brandon McKay has not done that. He he didn't pitch very well uh, in his first season, and yeah. you know he was hurt uh, obviously in twenty twenty. So twenty nineteen wasn't a great year for him, even at the plate. You know, so to expect them to do both, uh, to do well on both sides, not just well, but to to be, you know, top in the league on both sides is a little hard. I do believe that they can be uh, they could contribute on both sides of the ball and be, you know, a game changer in that sense. Uh, But to say that they're that, you know, the elite level is very hard. And honestly, I think it, it caters more towards the American League because. If you had to go and play a position instead of just being a DH, which, you know, mm-hmm. Shohei has the uh, ability to do, it's even harder to go out there and also not be a defensive liability at the end of the day. Because you have to go and pitch, and when you're not pitching, if you have to go and play a position on your days where you're supposed to be resting or, you know, going through your routines, it, it, it is – there's no precedent for it. I don't think it's impossible. I just believe that what, what Ralphie is saying by having an elite on both sides is very difficult you know, par- uh, uh, molds get broken all the time. We're just not at that point. Shohei's the closest we have, and we still need to see it. You know, yeah. in his first season, you have him at 285. You know, I think before he got hurt, he had about 60-something RBIs, and, you know, he was doing well on that pace in 22 home runs. On that pace, if he finished the season, we're talking about elite numbers. And as a pitcher, still elite. You know, it's Caper now somewhere, I think, around 11. And at a 330. Yeah. 31 ERA, which isn't a, that that mold could be broken, but it, it's still not to the point where you can expect other players to come in and do that same thing. He's got to stay healthy. Go ahead, so, of course. Yeah. So one one thing Rafi did also mention is that Japanese players struggle with the uh, the the pitching workload when they come over, which is accurate. But yeah, I heard that. what what I will say in terms of why I think he can be elite on both sides is his. His stuff, as far as a pitcher, as as yeah. pitching goes, right? He has elite stuff, yeah. right? From his his fastball to all his offs, he has plus plus off speed stuff that, and he has, I think, three or four legit out pitches mm-hmm. that can really, you know, do damage. Here's where I will agree with you and Ralphie, though, in terms of workload, because even as a dual position player in college, it's a lot. And and I'm and even in college, you're not working as much as a major leaguer to to hit major league pitching. Like mentally, that's a lot, you know. Just to you're mentally prepare too. It's a little bit yeah. different, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and you're all, yeah. But another thing that I think is that I think people don't realize. Not to cut you off, Greg, you get right back to it. Um, but just going off, like people don't understand, like just because somebody can play the position decently or can hit decently and MLB and can also pitch does not mean that the best option for the team and the best option for them is to be a dual two threat player, a two way player. I think in Otani's case though, it, it works best for the angels. And Garrison says something in the comments that I, I agree with. He can, he can excel, you know, when healthy at the plate, but I think he can be even an even better hitter. If he's not a starter, he comes out the pen on the, at the back end. I think you make him a late inning guy. Oh, yeah. You know, he he can dominate. And I, I think that that he could be elite on so like you have a guy like Hunter Green in the Reds organization who was a number one, you know, a number two overall draft pick. Yeah, number two um, overall. I think you went behind Casey Mize for the Yeah. Time. 
And he, he in high school, he threw 101 off the mound and he hit absolute bombs, but he couldn't hit a major league fastball when he got that little cup of coffee. So a guy like that, you, you don't you realize he can't he can't cut it on on both sides. So he's just going to be a guy that comes out the pen. I'm fine with that. But when you have somebody of Otani's talent, any coach would tell you, you find a way to make it work. You find a way. Yes, true. What I will say in response to that, though, is talent and stuff only gets you but so far, right? And look at a guy like Jacob deGrom. DeGrom has become elite, but if you hear his interviews, how he speaks about his routine, it's not just his stuff. It's his preparation that he does in between his starts, you know, and trying to, like, repeat his mechanics. Because, yes, he might have a, a, a devastating slider, but you misplace a devastating slider and these major league hitters will make you pay for it. So your good stuff can still fail you if you don't have the preparation. So I, I and, and if we're talking about elite, Jacob DeGrom being the elite of the elite, you know, I do believe that your his like Otani stuff isn't going to be the saving grace for him. You know, he's still going to like the execution when he has to pitch every five days could, could, could end up being a problem when he's focusing yeah. on, you know, his ABs or if he ended up playing the field or any other two way player playing the field. Now execution to me will, would be where the question mark is because that pitching aspect of it hitting obviously very difficult but the pitching aspect to you know to, to maintain the elite level and would be against very major difficult. league hitters yes yeah. i mean and that's that's the point i will concede to you guys in terms of him being a starter and he could be a very good starter yeah. but i think he could be a top closer in the game honestly see that's different though if you approach it that way and he doesn't have to go and turn over a lineup two or three times that is very different i believe that if we had a closer or even even a reliever just a reliever that was a two-way player Hmm? like a setup man like eighth yeah yeah exactly michael lorenzen when he wasn't started Yes. And I want to talk about him real quickly, too, in, in a little bit. But if, if it was a reliever instead of a starter, I believe that is more obtainable for elite. And again, I do believe that you could have more two way players in this game that aren't necessarily on the elite level, but still very good, still be able to contribute as a pitcher and as a hitter, like helping their team either way. And when it comes to Lorenzo, you know, it Lorenzen. almost seems Lorenzo, sorry, um, it almost seems as if there is it's more about the the flexibility with position and strategy right because you know with the new mlb rules you have i think it's it's 13 pitchers they're allowed to carry a 12 um and yeah but then you're allowed to have at least one um two-way player so that gives you flexibility now so if you're saying well oh i want to carry uh you know my my 12 guys but i need i want another arm you know like we need another arm your two-way guy is now that person you know, whether you can take them off the bench to hit or to pitch. So the flexibility and the strategy aspect of it, I think, is what Cincinnati is going for and what other teams will eventually move to because that strategy will help you and can be the the, the decisive blow uh, to another team, your opponent, when it comes down to, like, who you're going to throw, the arms you have and the, and the bats you have off the bench. Yeah, I, I, I see that. Uh, that's And I think that's what plays into, like, more guys getting drafted with the ability to play both ways. Because yes. we see it a lot, especially when you watch the College World Series, which to me is one of the most underrated sporting events in the country, to be honest. And that's my bias speaking as doesn't a baseball player. Time. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't. But it's 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 really fun. And you see the major leaguers of tomorrow playing today. But that aside, there are several guys, you know, you see coming out the pen throwing 94-95 that would have started center fielder in the game. You know, uh, 
Declan, who was the the Giants player? He was a, a, a defensive back that got hurt a couple years ago. That was uh-huh. a pitcher for LSU. Garrison, you might know this too, being a a big defensive. LSU guy. He's a defensive mm-hmm. back, and he was, I, I I I and he ended up getting hurt. He I think he got in a car accident. He got hurt, and he could never play again. Oh, but geez. he he was. Uh, a reliever for LSU that threw like 94, 95, and he was a starting outfielder that that can hit. And he got drafted in both baseball and, fo- and and the NFL, and he chose the NFL. But if he chose baseball, you know, he wouldn't have been able – he would have to pick. Now guys don't have to – the organization doesn't have to pick. They can say, hey, we like what you could do on both sides of the ball. Let's kind of work at it. And I think that's really good for the game yeah. and can help – bring fans into our segment a few a few weeks ago was you know, it, about how to how to grow the brand was it um, i think it was chad jones chad jones chad, chad jones yeah, uh, yeah that's that realization at the same time that was uh, pretty serendipitous, far. serendipitous. Was um did we get it yeah, in the comments or no yeah many okay. i i i agree with that um i i think I think ultimately the more two way players that are in the league, it will just, it will improve the game. It, it makes it more fun. It makes it more entertaining. Uh, and again, it gives, it gives another, another wrinkle uh, for a team, you know, and develop the development part is a really hard part though. Right. Cause look at Hunter yeah. green. He could have hit a major league fastball. And he was really uh, good in college too. Yes. And, 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 and they will thrive in college. Yeah, high school, high school. High school yeah, they high will, school. they will, they will thrive in the lower level, you know, whether it's high school, college, but sometimes getting into the minors is when you get weeded out right before he, where let me just finish before yeah. where you, maybe you play two positions or you, you were a pitcher and you were a fielder, you know, you know, you didn't have the opportunity necessarily to, to, to go in and prove. You might just, they might just look at the tape and say, well, you're this now and go do it. Now they'll, they'll see it out. It's how they develop. And I don't know if they necessarily will have, you know, the mechanisms or the processes in place to develop these players the best way they can. It's still very much a, you know, feel it out. It's yeah, going to be definitely. trial and error, which means you're going to miss out on some really great talent, but I think as long as they're dedicating time and effort to developing two-way players and understanding what's best to to make them thrive, you will have an improved sport. Like baseball will be better for it. I agree. So that that we could definitely agree on. One one thing I will say about Hunter Green and not being able to hit a major league fastball. Um, the learning curve when you get drafted out of high school to be a pro hitter and you oh, you, yeah. you you skip over college is yeah. so great. That's why you see some guys get drafted at 18, like a Brandon Nimmo, and they don't make the big leagues till 23, 24. They're spending six, seven years in the minor leagues because that learning curve is so steep. Yeah. And as opposed to a guy like Otani, who was hitting against professional pitching in Japan. Even a guy yeah. like Conforto who went to Oregon State and then spent two, maybe a year and a half in the minors. Yeah, it, uh, the learning curve is very guys. different from college hitters and high school hitters to the pros. Um, but I do think at the end of the at the end of the day that more dual position players with with specified roles, not so much kind of like Otani, how he's sometimes a starter, sometimes a DH, a more more refined like. This is what you do on your off day. This is what you do when you're not hitting that type of thing. It will definitely be better for the game stuff. And yeah. Deck, yeah. what are your what are your final thoughts? Yeah, I would say let's get to our final thoughts as we head out. I think um, both. I mean, not that this was a debate, but you guys had you know somewhat. You agreed on. I think we all agreed on some aspects and disagreed on others. Um, I would say in total, if a guy can stay healthy and do it, I'm all for it. Right now, I think that the two way player movement is more of an Otani sticking out than a potential for the next five, 10 years, we're going to see like 80 of these guys in the league. That That's kind of where I'm at right now. Although I'd love for that to happen. I, I just don't see it going 
so pol- as polarizing as it as it possibly I, should. Yeah, I, I think that uh, teams will dedicate more uh, of their resources, their, their money, their resources to uh, developing the two way players. One is just a strategy, but two is it, flex- it's flexibility. Um, uh, it will be it's good for the game, but it's also going to be good for these teams. And there are enough players that at you know the collegiate level or even high school level that are playing two positions that they can learn uh, to better develop them and bring them into the league uh Shohei being obviously the outlier again in that he is uh the one that can that we've seen be successful but uh in in you know time you know a couple years from now I think you'll see a few more you know come up through the minor league system I ultimately think it's going to be more popular or a little bit more um feasible in the American League if you know by this time or you know a few years from now the dh doesn't get added to the nl but the dh will be the like any american league team will be able to utilize the two-way player more so than the nl uh and that might even be a a, 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 depending how successful that is you might see that they'll change for the dh and the nl for that reason that might be the you know the the coffin i think that's a great point yeah, so ultimately, I, I think it's great for baseball. It's great for, you know, not just for the fans. It's great for the teams. Um, it's something we could push for. As far as, like, having elite players on it, it it's it's a little I – don't, I don't believe that, you know, it's going to be as common, but you, you can still have very good players on, that, on both sides of the ball. All right, so we're good, guys? Yeah, definitely. All right, man. Great show, gents. Always a pleasure, as we – no, Jens. That was so weird. I'm never saying that again. Just, just, just keep going. Jens is cool. Absolutely. I like Jens. I'm a gentleman. All right, let's get out of here, guys. You've been listening to Smoke and Mirrors here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, as always, presented by the Sports Hitlist. You can check out many of the great shows on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network by going here on Facebook Live, Twitter, uh, and of course the TuneIn Radio app and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network app. As for Smoke and Mirrors, I'm Declan Krogman, Greg Polius, Stefan Polius. We out. We'll see you next time. See you on the It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network.